We are in our last week in this series, Five Habits of a Disciple. Uh, And what we've been doing is we've been looking at what a disciple's life looks like. And really, it looks like Jesus, doesn't it? Which makes sense. Because we've been saying that a disciple is a follower who puts into practice what they've learned. And so as we follow Jesus, we put into practice what we learn from him. Our lives are going to look more and more like Jesus uh, as we live our lives. Why would we want to do that? Why would we want to live looking like Jesus and not live however we want? Well, we've said over the course of this series that Jesus has changed everything for you and me. When Jesus rose from the dead, he completely changed your outlook on life. No longer do we have to despair because the grave is coming. Uh, Jesus has conquered the grave and he promises that whoever believes in him will live even though they die. He promises he's the resurrection and the life. He promises that because he lives, we also will live. It's completely changed our future outlook on life. And because he's changed the future outlook, it changes the here and now. Now we want to live for a Savior who's won for you and me the eternal joys of heaven. And how does that look? Well, what we've seen over the course of the last several weeks is that, that disciples have their eyes open for opportunities to tell others about Jesus. We've seen how we look to do good. We've seen how uh, we keep a, a rein on our tongue and we don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is useful for building others up. And then last week we saw that disciples pray with and for others. But today we come to maybe the most important one, and it's listening to Jesus. Stopping to listen to Jesus. Why is that one the most important? So what we're going to talk about today is we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 12. 2 Peter was uh, the second letter written by the Apostle Peter around 60 AD. Uh, Peter wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter. It's a letter that he wrote to five different congregations. Uh, Christians living in five different provinces in the Roman Empire. And he wrote to them uh, as an encouragement, but also uh, to talk about the different attacks that Christians face as we walk in this life uh, of faith. And so as you read these letters, uh, you could almost get the impression that Peter's writing to Christians living in the 21st century. Uh, Because uh, what do we know about the devil? His, His... Tactics don't change, he just packages them differently. (laughs) And and so everything that those first century Christians were facing, we face today, just packaged a little differently. And so as Peter's writing, he's writing to encourage them and to defend their faith against Satan's attacks. And in chapter 1, he tells us exactly how to do that. And so let's jump in, we're in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Here's what Peter says, talking about God. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. All right, let's stop right there. Because this paragraph is loaded with wow statements. Did you catch them all? How about just that first one? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Are you struggling to make these habits of a Christian life or of a disciple habits? God's given you the power to do it. Are you struggling with a pet sin? Are you struggling with temptations? God has given you the power to overcome them. It's found in his divine power, in the precious promises of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll be sinless in this world. It doesn't mean that we can uh, overcome our sinful nature. We're we're still going to fall into sin. However, when you are facing temptation, God has given you everything you need to overcome that temptation. It's found in the precious promises of God. He has given you everything you need to live a godly life by his divine power. That's incredible. If you are struggling with sin, if you're struggling in in your growth as a disciple, God has given you everything you need, and it's not found in you. It's not found in bearing down. It's found in the precious promises of our God. While statement number two, he's given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Why did God call you to be his own? Why did he call you to be part of his family? It's not because he looked down from heaven and said, wow, that person has so many talents and abilities, I need them as my own. He didn't look down and say, wow, that person's such a good communicator, such a good administrator, uh, such a good visionary. No. God looked down from heaven and he saw sinful people. And yet he called you to be his own. Why? Out of his own glory and out of his own goodness. It's simply because God is good that he's called you and me to be his own. It completely demolishes pride and lifts us up out of despair. Demolishes our pride. There's nothing in us that God looked and said, I'm going to call that person, summon that person by name to have them as my own. It's simply out of the goodness of God. At the same time, we don't have to despair thinking that we've blown it. God calls us out of his own goodness to be his own. Wow, statement number three. Through these, he has given us, through these, his, his own glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Out of his glory and goodness, what does God give to you today? His precious promises. For what purpose? That you may participate in the divine nature. Not when you get to heaven, though you will, but right now, 
you may participate in his divine nature. What does that include? Life and everything you need for life. And that's your first point today. God, uh, God's precious promises provide life. God has given us these precious promises in his word that we find in his word to do what? So that you can participate in his divine nature. As we sit and we listen to the precious promises of God, God binds us so closely to himself that he restores his perfect image in us so that our status before him is holy. It's perfect. As we sit and we meditate on the precious promises of God's word as we listen to them, we participate in the divine nature so closely that we share in hating what God hates and loving what God loves. We share in his joys. We share in his work. We share in his power. We share in his holiness. We share in his life that is the life of the resurrection from the dead. And how does it happen? How do you participate in it? It's not by doing. It's by listening to the precious promises of our God. What are some of the precious promises that God has made to you and me? Uh, well, there's a whole bunch in the Bible, but I'll give you three. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Think about the magnitude of that, that promise. There's no punishment. There's no condemnation. When you stand before God on judgment day, you will not be condemned to death when you're in Christ Jesus. Not because God just overlooks your sin, but because Jesus Christ took the punishment that our sins deserve so that when we stand before God, God says you're not condemned. You're innocent. No punishment through Jesus Christ. That's a precious promise that God has made to you. Isaiah 43 verse 1, where God says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Precious promise that God summoned you, called you by name. Not just, you're just a big group of people that God doesn't know and he's called you to be. No, God called you by your name to be his own. And he says, you're mine. And yet to make you his, he had to redeem you. He had to buy you. And what did you cost? The precious blood of Christ. And God was willing to pay it. You, you talk about a precious promise that, adds, that gives you so much worth. You are worth to God the precious blood of Christ, giving up his only son to have you as his own. And then one more, Ephesians chapter 5, where it starts by saying, Husbands, love your wives, but then has this amazing promise. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, cleansing her through the washing of water with the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without blemish or wrinkle or any other stain, but holy and blameless. 
You talk about a precious promise from God. That as you stand before God, how does he see you? Without wrinkle, without the stain of sin, without any other blemish. Instead, he sees you as holy and blameless. Because your Savior Jesus has washed you in your baptismal waters, connected you to him, so that you stand holy and blameless before him. What precious promises God's word has. And when we listen to those precious promises, we participate in the divine nature as the Holy Spirit works faith in our heart that Jesus is our Savior. We get to participate and bond so closely to our God right now. And it's not through our doing. It's through our listening to what our God has done for us. And as we sit and we listen, we hear again and again the precious promises of forgiveness and holiness that we have through Jesus. This is why it's so important to sit and listen to the Word. And that's what we saw with Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10 in our scripture reading earlier. Martha's running around like crazy, serving Jesus, preparing the meal, getting things ready, and there her sister Martha sits at the feet of Jesus doing nothing, Martha thought. (laughs) You're not doing anything. And in fact, Martha gets so bitter in her heart that she's doing all the work that she she actually confronts Jesus. Jesus, tell my sister to, to help me. And Jesus says, you don't understand, Martha. There's one thing that is needful and that's not doing. It's sitting and listening to the precious promises found in the word. And that's not going to be taken from Mary. Because it's the one thing needful. It's the one thing needful is to sit and listen to the precious promises of our Savior. And so how are you doing? How often do you sit and listen to the precious promises from our God? Every day, as you open up your Bible and read it? Once a week, as you gather in worship, as we open up the precious promises of God and and we read it together? Once a month? Once every six or eight weeks, depending on how often you come to worship? God has given us His precious promises so that we may have life and participate in the divine nature of our God. And we don't get that by saying, well, I'm spending my time volunteering. We don't get it by saying, well, I've got all these other priorities right now, but don't worry, I'm doing good. Great, I'm glad you're doing good. But you don't participate in the divine nature by doing good. You participate in the divine nature through the precious promises of our God And we need to sit and listen to the precious promises that our God has made to you and me. Because it's through those precious promises that the Holy Spirit works faith in our heart. Trust that Jesus is our Savior. And we participate in the divine love and life and nature of our God. It's when we sit and we listen to the precious promises of God and we realize that we participate in the divine nature that it leads to change in our life. 
That's what Peter says in verse 5. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Peter says, because we get to participate in the divine nature through the precious promises of God, we want to add to our faith. Not for our salvation, but we have faith in Jesus as our Savior. Salvation is ours. Now we want to add to our faith goodness. We want to do good in this world. And that's what we talked about a few weeks ago. We, we look to do good. We want to add to goodness knowledge. Knowledge of the promises of God. We want to mind the depth of the promises that our God makes to us. And so we want to add to, to our faith knowledge. And how do we do that? Being in worship. Being in Bible study. Being in connect group. Being in personal devotion life. Uh, uh, our personal devotions as we read the Bible on our own. We want to add to knowledge self-control. Uh, very different than what we're told in the 21st century, isn't it? In America, what are we told? Give in to your heart's desire. Follow your desires. God says, no, no, no. Have self-control. Have self-control over the sinful natures, sinful nature. Have self-control over your sinful passions and desires. Have self-control. Self-control, perseverance. We want to persevere through hardships and trials. We want to add to perseverance, godliness. As we go around this world, we want people to see God through us. We want to be God's mask, so to speak. When people look at us, we, we want them to see a representation of what a godly life looks like. And then mutual affection and love. People know when they see a hypocrite. And the easiest way to spot a hypocrite is for someone to say, I'm a Christian, and then completely trash other people through our words and through our actions. Uh, they will spot that easily. And so what we as Christians want to do is we want to add, we, we say, I believe in Jesus as my Savior. I have faith in Jesus and the precious promises that he's made to me, and now we want to go love others. We want to love others. And that's God's will for his people. It's transformation. God has transformed your eternal life. He's transformed your life by sending his son Jesus to live and die and rise again for you. Your eternal life has been transformed as he's forgiven you and restored you that holy image of God. We were dead in sin. Jesus has restored to us life and perfection of God. That's the transformation of life. Now, in this world, God wants us to continue to transform our lives to live for Him. And how do we do it? By intentionally adding goodness and, and all these characteristics to our faith. 
so how are you doing? Are you adding these? Are you growing in your life as a disciple? Or has your life gone stagnant? Maybe even backsliding in your faith? Or in the living out of your faith? If that's you, here's what Peter says. Whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. If we aren't growing in our life as a disciple, Peter says, you're nearsighted. What's that mean? It means that we don't have the long term in mind. We're focused on what's right here in front of our face. And what's right in front of my face is how I'm feeling. Peter says, that's nearsighted. You're not keeping eternal life in mind. And if that's you, if that's me, if that's how we would describe ourselves, if we're not growing in our life as a disciple and putting God's word into practice, what's the solution? What's the prescription that Peter says? Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Peter says if, if you're not growing in your faith, if, if you're not growing in your life as a disciple, it's not get your act together. It's not do better. No, it's the gospel. You're forgetting. You're forgetting that you've been cleansed from your past sins. You're forgetting forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That is our motivation. That is our power, the power behind our godly living. And at your next point, God's precious promises provide motivation for godly living. School ended on Friday, for some on Thursday, and now it means vacations. And people have planned vacation and people are traveling, and, and some are going on a road trip. And what do you have to do when you go on a road trip? You have to stop and fill up your tank. If not, you're one of those people that break down on the side of the road that when we, when we pass by and we see them walking to the two miles to the gas station with the, the gas tank, we feel bad for them because, man, that's brutal that you broke down. <laughs> that's what the Christian life is like. The Christian life is a journey, and it's a long one. And we need to stop and fill up our tank in order to keep going. And what is it that fills our tank that provides the motivation the gospel of Jesus Christ, that through Jesus we have been cleansed from our past sins. Through Jesus, He's redeemed us. Through Jesus, we are holy and ble uh, uh, without blemish or wrinkle or stain, but blameless before God. Through Jesus, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Him. It's coming to the promises, the precious promises of our God that provides the motivation, the power for our godly living. It's through the forgiveness of Jesus and the message of the gospel that motivates us to want to live for Him. And we need to keep coming back to those precious promises of Jesus. And that's how Peter ends. Verse 10, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. 
and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Your last point today, we need constant reminders of God's precious promises. Peter says, I'm going to constantly remind you of these things. Even though you know them and are firmly established in them, I'm going to always remind you of them. Because we need constant reminders of the precious promises that God has made to us. We constantly need to be reminded that we've been forgiven from past sins. We need to be constantly reminded of how we get to participate in the divine nature of our God through the precious promises of God. We need constant reminder that God has provided all that we need for godly living through the precious promises that he's made to us. And so we're always going to remind you of these things. Every Sunday, as you come to church, you are going to be reminded that your sins are forgiven, that you've been cleansed from your past sins. Every time we get together uh, in Bible study, in connect groups, you are going to be reminded of the precious promises that God has made to you in his word. Because we never ever say, I know it. Good, I'm glad you know it. We need to always be reminded of these precious promises of God because the sinful nature is strong, but God's promises are even stronger. And so we gather around the precious promises of our God. As disciples, we sit and we listen to Jesus and the precious promises he makes to us because it's through them that we participate in the divine nature. Not just in eternal life, but here, today, as it provides motivation for you and me to live as disciples, as we follow Jesus and put into practice what he teaches us. May God be with you as you sit and you listen to the precious promises of our God, as he reminds you that your sins are forgiven and he provides you with the power, the motivation for your godly living. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, as we follow you, uh, help us to not get so focused on the doing that we forget to sit and listen at your feet. As we listen to the precious promises that you've made to us, that we've been cleansed from our past sins, and that we have everything we need in those precious promises for godly living. Uh, it's through them that we get to participate in the divine nature, uh, that God has restored his holy image in us through you, that we're reminded again and again how we're holy and blameless in your sight. That's our status because of what you accomplished for us at the cross and the empty tomb. Uh, we thank you for those precious promises and the motivation that it provides us uh, to live lives for you. Uh, as we want to make these uh, habits that we've uh, looked at over the last couple of weeks, we want to make them habits. Uh, help us to find the motivation. Help us to put them into practice. Let us not just hear it and then let it go in one ear and out the other, but let us put it into practice uh, so we may follow you more and more. As we sit and we listen at your feet, help us to intentionally hear those promises. Let us find time to do that and let us make a habit of sitting and listening to at your feet to your precious promises. We ask all this in your name. Amen.